Stephen Henderson, and today on the podcast, we're going to talk about the U of M football scandal and what it means to have rules, to respect rules, and to mete out consequences when those rules get broken. We'll hear from Tony Garcia, who covers the Michigan football team for the Detroit Free Press, about where we are in the order and the process of the scandal. And then we'll talk with two scholars about rulemaking. Are we too obsessed with rules in our society? What effect does that have on us? And how could we think about rules and cheating differently? Tony, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate you having me. How's it going? Very good. It's great to have you here. So uh, let's start with how this sign-stealing scandal started. What tipped people off that, that this was happening? Well, that is uh, that is a very good question because that's getting into a whole new basket of worms, uh, which is uh, <laughs> this third party investigation that was said to have taken place that did tip the NCAA off on this. So it is actually still not quite known how the NCAA found this information out. That will still be uncovered as the days and weeks and months Unfold, But I think the pertinent information is that on October 19th, uh, word did break of Michigan being investigated for a sign-stealing scandal. And the next day, Connor Stallions, who was a former uh, recruiting analyst, um, which is a, a staffer, not quite a coach, an assistant coach, but uh, just a level below that, um, he was identified as a person of interest. And in the days that follow, his story is what unfolded. People found out how he's from Lake Orion, lifelong Michigan fan. Uh, who was so dedicated to eventually trying to become a Michigan football head coach. He enrolled in the Marine Corps, uh, became a Naval Academy graduate. Uh, In 2015, he started as a volunteer assistant for the Michigan football program, uh, which he parlayed into a role uh, as an analyst in the recruiting department starting in 2022. Um, and, And a big part of his job is to steal signs. Now, like you said, there are teams all over the Big Ten Uh, who have positions dedicated to that. Like in baseball, if you're on the field of play or you're looking at the opponent and you pick up their tell or a tip in their hand, that's fair game to discuss, inform your team, and and try to to adjust for, right? But what Stallions is accused of doing is purchasing tickets on the sideline of future opponents, as many as as 35 future opponents at 17 different stadiums uh, across the past two, three years. Uh, He would then allegedly... Uh, use, quote, a network of people uh, to go to the sideline who would then videotape the graduate assistants going through their signals. They would then, again, allegedly send it back to him. He would match the plays with the signals, and the thinking is he would have a very good idea of what teams, of what a specific signal meant the specific team would do. He would then relay that to, to Michigan's uh, to, to their staff. So he was initially suspended with pay a couple weeks ago. Then last week there were reports he was fired, but uh, I've actually confirmed um, uh, with a Michigan staffer he resigned. He was not fired. Uh, and that happened last week, right, I believe, the same day, Thursday, Friday, as when Tony Petiti, the Big Ten commissioner, uh, came to Ann Arbor uh, to meet with the president, uh, Michigan Sans Ono, and asked him uh, to suspend Jim Harbaugh, I'm told, uh, which Ono. Uh, had already sent a letter to Petiti asking him for due process. Mm-hmm. And then when Petiti asked him, uh, he respectfully said no, that he and the university would not be suspending Jim Harbaugh for this. Uh, 
internally. Yeah. So so we are waiting, I know, to hear more from the Big Ten this week. I know that Michigan prepared a response to the allegations that uh, that uh, that have been made against uh, the, the school and the football team and the Big Ten, I suppose, could decide this week to, to take some action. But but I, I want to pause for a second and just talk about how big a deal this is. Is this a legitimate case that Michigan has facilitated sign stealing in a way that's really against the rules and really different from what other schools do? Or do Michigan fans, who I see all over social media losing their minds about this, uh, do they have a point that this just isn't significant enough for all the hoopla it has caused? Well, I, th- I think it depends who you ask. I think you just did a good job stumbling it out, right? Um, so, But here's one thing. Uh, Athletic Director Ward Manuel uh, skipped his meetings with the College Football Playoff Committee to stay in Ann Arbor. I think that tells you what we need to know about how seriously Michigan is taking this. Um, and so so I, I would say it's it, it's a big deal. Now, of, co- of course, people in sports and in politics, I think it's great that you are bringing this debate or this discussion, I should say, beyond sports because it is, in my, what I've seen seems to sort of be a greater exercise in society, right? Uh, just sort of continuing to, to toe the party line. Those who do not wear maize and blue think that what they've done is the worst <laughs> thing in the world and anyone who went to Michigan says there's nothing to see here, right? And as as often is the case, I believe, of course, it lays somewhere in, in, in the middle. However, I do tend to, to skew more towards the side of this is a big deal because it is opening quite a Pandora's box of college football, uh, of uh, just the gray area of the rules, of what is a big deal, what isn't a big deal. And I think it just gets at the integrity of the game. The idea of the game is that it is played on an even surface and that nobody has an advantage. <laughs> and when that is immediately called into question, I think that is why why this has reached circles beyond just sports, right? It's, it's about life. It's about these greater philosophical questions. So how much of an advantage was gained? Uh, I don't think that's an answer we are ever going to get. Sure. But I think... It was the attempt at doing it right now. Now, it is very important. Jim Harbaugh has not been implicated or shown been shown to have any connection whatsoever to Connor Stallings or this plot. That's very important. And that's the reason why many higher ups. I mean, especially Jim Harbaugh was already suspended for three years to begin this season. Right. And so the Michigan is taking a very strong stance and saying, you better not like you better be careful about this precedent that you set. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you, if you are going to try and do this, so so is it believable that Jim Harbaugh, who is the head coach at Michigan, who hires the assistant coaches and is responsible for the program, didn't know that the information that the other coaches were using came from a scheme like this? I mean, I, I, one of the questions I've had is. Uh, how do you know big college football programs work? Does the head coach know everything about what's going on? And even further than that, does the NCAA expect the coach to know everything that's happening? Uh, I, I asked Jim Harbaugh that question exactly uh, about 10 days ago. Just I've never run a football program. I've never been in charge of 125 people. So I don't know what could reason. I mean, I know what I expect and what is understood, but what can reasonably be expected of a man uh, who is in charge of 125 plus people and knowing every detail about all their inner workings. So say he could not say he did not know 
that is one thing. But should he have or um, does he have the responsibility to at least investigate, to ask further questions? Um, that's a, that is a, a different question entirely. It does seem a bit difficult to believe that nobody had, had any knowledge of this, right? That seems incredibly far-fetched given that there are reports of, of documents of $15,000 worth of, worth of a budget uh, and, and tickets and, and trails that sort of, sh- sort of show this pattern, excuse me. And so for Jim Harbaugh, uh, what, even if he is trying to continue to present the defense that he does not know, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in certain in Big Ten language, uh, that is not an unacceptable defense yeah. because it is a it's a lack of institutional control is yeah. is, is the phrase that that, that would be seen as so uh, negligence or lack of knowledge would not be uh, unacceptable. It's not defense. a good defense. Yeah, uh, we're talking with Tony Garcia. He's a reporter for the Detroit Free Press. He covers uh, the University of Michigan's football and basketball teams. We're talking about the charges that have been leveled against the University of Michigan's football team that uh, they engaged in an illicit sign stealing scheme uh, for a while, and that uh, they have broken NCAA rules as well as Big Ten rules uh, in doing that. We're talking about how this obsession really with rules and rule breaking is not just about football and sports, but it's really about life in this country. Think of how we fight over business or politics or law or just about anything. This idea that somebody else may be trying to gain an unfair advantage over us is the thing that sends people into the stratosphere in this country. And we're certainly seeing that with the University of Michigan. We would love to hear from you during the conversation as well. Give us a call and let us know what you make of this scandal at the University of Michigan. Do you think it's significant or do you think people just want to find a way to take down a team that happens to be having one of the best seasons in its history right now? Uh, Is this legitimate? Is it sour grapes? Uh, Is it a sign of the hypersensitivity, I think, that we have right now to the idea that somebody is cheating? If somebody is doing well, they must be breaking the rules in order to do it. 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can make you part of the conversation that way. Also want to throw this out there. Call and tell us if you've ever cheated, if you've ever broken the rules to get ahead in some way. I know lots of us face these questions all the time, and nobody's perfect, right? Uh, Has there been a time when you took advantage of something in a way that hmm, maybe wasn't quite the right way to do it? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, you can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, Tony, I want to talk about this other defense that the University of Michigan is putting up, which is mm-hmm. that, hey, we have evidence that other people are doing the same thing. So if you're going to punish us, you got to punish everybody. Is that a credible defense or is that also just kind of misdirection by uh, Michigan? Right. We have reached the, the what about phase of, of this, of this <laughs> situation. Right. Um, but I, I do think it's, it's the latter. Now, it is not to be discounted. It is not to be discredited. Um, anyone who is breaking the rules, this is my opinion, should, should be made to suffer the consequences uh, 
in accordance with the level of their transgressions. Now, the reason why I think it is a false equivalency to say that it is the same thing is because this is where that, quote, everybody's doing it phrase comes from, right? Mm -hmm. So I spoke to a former Big Ten staffer uh, earlier this week whose job was to steal signs. Uh, He's not in the business right now, but that's that's what he did. And uh, he, I mean, he, he spoke to me I mean, pretty bluntly, he said how Indiana has a guy who's great at it. So does Rutgers. Ohio State is the most difficult team to get stuff in the league from. Uh, but uh, Iowa has never cared because they don't ca- uh, care about who steals their signs, right? Mm-hmm. So every team has different levels about how much they care. But what Ohio State and Rutgers are accused of doing is sharing their signals that they obtained or, or sharing the signals that they think Michigan was using during a game against them, right? So they see Michigan do a signal. They call a team Michigan will play in the future and say, hey, we saw Michigan do X. We think that means Y. Now, Purdue, the team in question here, still needs to verify all that, as I was told, right? This guy's like, look, if someone else tells me that this play is going to happen and that's not what happens, I'm the one who's fired, right? Not him. So I need to make sure – and we still and we still have our checks and balances as this game is going on. So that's how those sort of notes are obtained. I guess it's a subtle distinction. Whereas Michigan was going by by itself and videotaping things and recording things. He said that was the line he said to me. He said when I when we saw we in the coaching ranks heard that there was video and recording and technology. That's when he said that's when things seemed to to sort of take the next step. Now, it seems like the NCAA is trying to get rid of all of this, uh, hopefully in the future, and go, to, and go to the NCAA and go to the NFL route and just put headsets in the helmets, um, yeah. which would get rid of all this sign stealing, but that's not where we were this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phone's call. Tell us what you think of the University of Michigan and its football cheating scandal, but also what you think about rule breaking in general is it something that you see and can't stand is it something that you maybe occasionally indulge uh, even uh, inadvertently uh, take advantage of something that uh, that would get you ahead uh, let's start today with Sarah in Ann Arbor Sarah welcome to the show thanks yeah I'm just calling because um, I was listening to your discussion and um, I think there were two categories mentioned, you know, people who are sour grapes about U of M doing so well, and then the U of M alum and fans who, um, you know, regardless, uh, kind of minimize the allegations. Um, but I am a U of M alum. I live in Ann Arbor. I'm a U of M football fan. I, and my whole family's gone to U of M. And I just want to point out that there's another category, and it's U of M alum and fans that are embarrassed. Hmm on what's going on. Um, I think that it reflects badly on the school. I don't know. I know you are all getting into all the minutiae of the allegations. I'm not that deep into these sports <laughs> stories, frankly. But it just from a very surface level, um, I don't think this reflects well on our institution. And um, I think a lot of U of M grads have a lot of pride in the fact that we are, you know, Michigan Wolverines. And I think that um, now... The first time that there was the allegation of the, you know, cheating with the um, recruits, yeah. that was one thing. Now we have a second allegation. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you get one bite at the apple, but not two. This is just, I think it's <laughs> unacceptable. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah uh, I, I absolutely 
love that you called and shared that perspective. Uh, you know, as an alum, I, I have those same those same fears about. Uh, about these kinds of allegations against the university, right? Uh, uh, I, I think there is uh, an absolute sense among uh, the, the University of Michigan community that that we are supposed to hold ourselves to really high standards, and that that we try to do that pretty consistently. And so this this is a, a knock uh, on on all of that, and and it's it's hard to watch people kind of make fun of uh, us for for taking these shots, uh, e- even as the university continues to argue that, hey, no, we're still we're still pretty pristine here. Uh, Tony, I, I wonder about that reputational damage, not just in the context of the University of Michigan itself, but in terms of this team, which is, I, I've been watching Michigan football since I was about nine years old. I, I don't know that I've seen a Michigan team this good. I mean, it, the, the, the potential for it seems unlimited, but there could be this asterisk uh, after whatever they accomplish because of this scandal. What about that that kind of that kind of damage? And how, could you ever even avoid it at this point? No, certain, I, I'd say no. Uh, at least not in the court of public opinion, right? Uh, opinions have been made, thoughts have been formulated, and this is like it or not, right, wrong, or indifferent. Certainly, a part of the narrative, a part of the story, a large part of the story. That is the 2023 Michigan football team. However, this team, <laughs> I've seen a lot of Michigan football. I'm also born and raised in Ann Arbor. I was four, about to be five, when they won the national championship. So I don't remember that one in live time. <laughs> but this is the best Michigan football team I can ever recall. I covered mm-hmm. the team last year. This team is a, a notch above even that. Um, and so it, it makes you feel for the players, uh, for, for the J.J. McCarthy's, the Blake Corms, the Chris Jenkins, the uh, uh, I, I don't need to get too far into it, but all the all the guys who the seniors and the and the leaders of this team, mm-hmm. who by all accounts and all my all of my interactions with them, stand up guys, uh, from, from from what I can tell, and uh, and it's just they are they've all done a tremendous job, at least on the on the surface optically of saying, look, this is just bringing us closer together. Jim Harbaugh said it was practically a priceless gift for for everybody to sort of try to take these jabs at Michigan. It's just galvanizing them and bringing them together. Uh, and the college football playoff committee said, look, we are just judging what's happening on the field. So Michigan right now in our eyes is one of the top four teams. And they're still, if, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they'd be one of the four teams with a chance to make the national championship. And so in some ways it's just sort of full steam ahead. All, all, all systems go. However, how people will discuss it and think about it and remember it. Now that is, is still certainly open for interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tony Garcia of the Detroit free press. Uh, great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate you having me. When we come back, we are going to continue this conversation by delving into the nature of rule breaking and cheating these days. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. We're talking about the University of Michigan football team's scandal, uh, this idea that they have indulged a sign-stealing scheme that breaks both Big Ten and NCAA rules. Now we're going to talk more broadly, though, about rules and rules rule breaking what constitutes 
cheating? How does it change over time? And what's the relationship, not just between cheating and sports, but cheating and business, business, law, uh, politics, all of the things uh, where we see these spectacular arguments unfold when one party believes that another is using unfair advantages to get ahead or to win. To talk about all of this, we've got Lee Eagle here. He is a professor at the New York University Tisch Institute for Global Sport. He explores ethics in the world of sports. Professor Eagle, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for letting me join in. Also with us is Garrett Merriam. He is an associate professor of philosophy at California State University, Sacramento, and he studies ethics, among other issues. Professor Merriam, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much for having me. So, Professor Eagle, I'm going to start with you. Uh, in life, how do we interpret rules and rule breaking, uh, cheating? Uh, is it simply a matter of uh, violation or is something else involved? How do we frame these questions when we think about whether somebody is a cheater? Well, in life, I think that's the great question uh, because a lot of times different people have different answers uh, for those different frames. And uh, that's sort of the human experience, but at some point we've got to, and we do reach kind of uh, a collective agreement uh, in different conditions and different circumstances. And uh, really think when it comes to sport, and this is true in business uh, as well as so many other areas of life, uh, we're really talking about when someone or a group of people crosses the line and where is that line? And the line is usually when uh, a person or people bring in to a condition, a certain situation, uh, something of a foreign object. They bring in something that exists outside the lines, uh, outside of the agreed upon rules and usually it's done in a way that's kind of secretive, under the covers. Uh, it might sometimes be a poorly kept secret, but uh, it's something that comes really sort of from outside the lines into that environment and, um, and is put to work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea here in this particular scandal uh, where it's a question of sign stealing, I, I think that's a really interesting phrase because the word stealing implies uh, Ill, Ill, illegal activity. It, it implies that it's something you're not supposed to know or to do. And yet, Every coach and many players who have talked about this have said, well, this is just part of the game. You're always trying to to steal signs, to gain an advantage in that way. I, I think it's part of what clouds the accusations against uh, Michigan here, which is that, okay, well, a certain amount of sign stealing is okay, but you can't go but you, you can only go but so far uh, with it. And when you go past that point, well, now you're a cheater, not just a stealer. Now you're a stealing cheater. Uh, Professor, <laughs> Professor Eagle, uh, it seems to me that that may confuse the lines here and the issues. 
Well, yes. So uh, two points. First, on the uh, on the stealing thing, uh, you know, this is sports. Uh, forget the Ten Commandments. Forget anything else. <laughs> Somebody's got to win and uh, throw everything else out the window. But um, but with that, it is interesting that stealing is sort of is a word that gets tossed around and sort of accepted. And historically through sport, you can go back to ancient times, uh, those sorts of things have been done. And, uh, and they're considered sort of, and they're within the bounds, not necessarily within the rules of the games, but they're within the bounds. Uh, the difference is in where, again, uh, this, to the second point, they're crossing the line, uh, is not so much what is done, though that kind of matters, but in the case of Michigan, it's not what's done. It's really about uh, how it's done and who is doing it. Hmm. And that's really where the rub is uh, when you start to get into things about a scandal and uh, whether it's ethical, unethical, and, and so on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Professor Merriam, I want to bring you into the conversation here. Talk about over time how we've come to think of cheating and rule breaking, who is a cheater, who is a rule breaker, uh, and and how it seems to have infected more of our dialogue about all kinds of things in, in recent years than before. When I talk about business or uh, politics, for instance, uh, there, is, there is this constant um, uh, debate about whether people who are successful uh, are also cheating. Uh, the, the, the election of Donald Trump, I think, was, was uh, of course, uh, a low point in that, in that discussion. I mean, the, the, the arguments and the fights that, that broke out over that. Uh, but, but there are many other examples as well. What, what has changed to kind of bring us to this point where um, where everybody, we, where we, we, we seem to suspect everybody of, of breaking the rules? Well, I think Professor Eagle is certainly right that there's a certain amount of context dependency going on here. What counts as cheating in one environment won't necessarily count as cheating in another. And it depends to a large extent on what the purpose of the institution in question is, what is trying to be achieved, what's, what's the purpose of these rules in the first place. Um, and in the context of something like academia, I, I think one thing which uh, has changed a lot over time is that we've uh, shifted very much towards something like a contractualist model, where the notion is that everyone agrees to a certain set of rules, and as long as you follow the letter of that law, you're not cheating. Um, and so sometimes people will invoke what's commonly called the Air Bud principle after the, the Disney movie, which says, well, there's no law that a golden retriever can't play basketball. <laughs> Therefore, it's legal for the golden retriever to play basketball. Um, and, and so you, you, you get an attitude of, of lawyering the system, I think, when you when you base yourself on a contractual model. Uh, so part of the question uh, uh, that's up in the air about the, the University of Michigan scandal is, is what they did technically actually breaking the rules. There, is there any point where it explicitly says this is not allowed? So part of what has changed over time, and again, at least in some contexts, is, is a shift away from an alternate model, uh, which uh, we might call the honor code model, hmm. where cheating is not thought of as a question of uh, following some set of explicit rules, but rather trying to hold yourself up to a particular standard of conduct, regardless of whether or not rules are explicitly stated with regard to that conduct or not. Part of what we have learned, I think, uh, in, in the Trump years in the United States is how much uh, of things that we once thought there were explicit rules against, it turns out there are no explicit rules against. They're just norms in politics that people are expected to abide by. 
And I think you can see this a lot in business too. You know, when people try to teach business ethics, uh, there often is a lot of pushback that you know there is no ethics in business. A business is a kind of war. It's winner take all. As long as you're obeying the law, you're you're, you're doing everything you need to do. Um, and I, I think that professors of business ethics uh, get frustrated with that because uh, we see that when when that's the ethos that you embrace, you encourage and invite people to try to to, to find as many ways around the rules as possible. Uh, so I, I do think there's value in, in maybe focusing more on an honor code model rather than a, a contractualist model um, in, in all sorts of contexts, not just in academia, but in politics and in business. So we can try to encourage people to not just win, but to be better people, to mm. be better scholars, better athletes, better students, better politicians, better Americans. Mm. So, so uh, th- there was something that uh, Donald Trump said during the 2016 presidential campaign that 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 reminds me of of this debate and this argument about uh, honor code and holding yourself to a higher standard uh, in the debate with with Hillary Clinton she accused him of cheating on his taxes uh, and his response was well that just makes me smart um, which got a real laugh from the audience and got a lot of of uh, support uh, on social media and in other places uh, after he said it. And it occurs to me that when you have someone who is seeking the presidency, uh, seeking to be the leader of our country, and that's his take on things, which is, Look, uh, cheating on your taxes is is just what you do to make sure that you keep as much money in your own pocket as possible. It, it does tend to kind of lower that standard that, that you're talking about, this honor code, this idea of holding yourself to a higher standard. Here's someone who wants to be president who says, eh, that's not so important. Yeah, and that clearly resonated with the audience and a lot of the voters as well. And uh, again, I don't mean to suggest that everything is uh, just a part of the overall atmosphere or the ethos of a culture, but it it, it, it didn't surprise me that so many people found that to, to be something that uh, they vibed with, uh, because I think in part uh, we are used to this idea of a contractualist model. Hmm. If the rules don't explicitly state it, then you can get away with it. Um, uh, this is the you know the culture of lawyering, right? It's the culture where you you, you try to find any edge that you can, and of course as as a, as a businessman, that, that is Donald Trump's milieu. Uh, but I do think that, uh, again, in business and in politics, we want people to be better than that. We don't want what they do to simply be technically permissible. We want it to held up to a higher standard that is not just the letter, but the spirit of the law, and that we can genuinely say uh, reflects that the, the people involved in their systems that matter and these institutions that matter have a high standard of honor. And that they, uh, they, they have integrity uh, and they have honesty um, and they will do things which may hurt themselves in a purely sort of selfish fashion uh, for the benefit of the institution overall. So when we have politicians that explicitly say they are willing to bend the rules if they can get away with it, uh, whether that be when it comes to taxes or uh, uh, skirting international laws, for example, uh, what we invite is uh, is a global culture hmm. in which cheating is seen as something that uh, uh, that is of low ethical significance. Uh, and uh, you know, I, again, as a, as a scholar of ethics, I believe it's important to try to hold ourselves and each other to a higher standard than that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, we need to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this really wonderful conversation about rules and rule breaking. Who is cheating and is that okay? Is it becoming kind of the norm in our culture and in sports? We're going to get to our listeners, uh, callers. Uh, We've got several folks lined up. Hang in there. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Dragon Lady on Twitter says, There are two types of people. People who cheat and admit it, and people who cheat and lie about it. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm really glad you've joined us. We're talking about cheating, rules, and rule breaking in the wake of the scandal that is engulfing the University of Michigan football team this season. Uh, They are accused of going too far in their efforts to find out the signals that other teams use to communicate with their players. It's called sign stealing. Uh, Nearly all Uh, coaches and players seem to admit that uh, this is something that just happens in the sport. But Michigan is accused of employing illicit means to get those signs from other teams. What do you think about that? What do you think about what the University of Michigan did and is accused of doing? But also, how do you think this fits into a wider narrative about our culture? Think of the other places that we tend to talk about rules and rule breaking or cheating. Uh, Has that changed? Should it change? And why do we get so worked up when we believe that somebody else is using unfair means to get ahead? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. we got two really great guests with us. Uh, Lee Eagle is a professor at the NYU Tisch Institute for Global Sport. Uh, Also with us is uh, Garrett Merriam. He is an associate professor of philosophy at Cal State Sacramento. He studies ethics, among other things. Let's start with David in Southfield. David, what's on your mind? Thank you very much. I think that uh, one has to be careful when one makes rules and things like that because it increases the umbrella of evil people. It makes people evil when they're really not. And uh, what happens is that one can become so petty um, that you can make everybody so bad that society becomes overwhelmed with and paranoid about how evil everybody is. Hmm. And I think that one has to be cautious about increasing the margins of what we call bad and not. I think it's good to have a personal standard of honor and things like that. But when one increases it to the point that you just increase the envelope, increase the the range of people and make a lot of people who are really not bad and making them evil and punishing them. Put a label on them, right. And putting a label on them, uh, all that pettiness just makes society just so paranoid and nervous. Yeah, yeah. And David. have a lot of sensitivity these days. Everybody's so sensitive that nobody trusts anybody. Yeah. And I think it's because of all this uh, pettiness. I, I, I think that's on. a really interesting point, David. It's almost as if you're suggesting maybe we have too many rules and we're too worried about who's following them and, and who's not. Uh, uh, Professor Eagle, I, I would love to hear your response to that idea. Well, we do need some rules, uh, for sure. Uh, and I think to the point, there, there are a couple points here. One, uh, to what you were saying on in the lead-in, again, uh, there really are, you know, 
there are really some slippery slopes here to, to think through. So a lot of what frustrates people and gets people up in arms, rightfully so, about uh, these sorts of situations is when you have to, when you see extra steps being taken. So for example, in what's being alleged at the University of Michigan, it's not just that the game was being played and you know one team on the sidelines was stealing signs from the other team on the sidelines and on they go. It's that there was, I don't wanna go so far to say there's a conspiracy, but it's that there are multiple steps, there's a strategy to actively do that. And it's taking place behind the scenes and then making its way onto a field of play. Hmm. And that sort of thing extends to what uh, the caller was just saying uh, about rules and how we live with them, how we work with them. And we've got to have rules. Uh, They've got to be reasonable and they've got to be within the bounds of the game, of the business, of the academy, wherever it is that, uh, that the environment sits. But what happens is, and there, there's something uh, really from psychology and human behavior called uh, the hot, cold empathy gap. Mm. And uh, really what that is, is that, uh, you know, as we sit here kind of talking about our better selves and the good things that we would do in a certain situation, most people would say, you know, I would never do any harm to another human being. No matter what the, the conditions, I would never really do harm to, uh, to another human being. Uh, but you get out of you know, that moment from the cold room and into the hot, mm-hmm. right? Into the, when things are really happening and it's unfolding. And you know, the, the lesser parts of human behavior can take over. Mm-hmm. So there, there are good people in tough or bad situations. There are bad people in bad situations and all of the vice versa. Uh, But we do need rules. Rules are there to keep uh, the game in line and to at least have a level playing field. And that's the exciting thing about sport is that anybody can get out there and have a chance to win. Yeah. Uh, Professor Merriam, are we creating too many bad people, though, Uh, and giving Americans a chance to assign that label to too many people with the, the, the sort of rural culture that we're living with. So there's a common tactic in dictatorships and other liberal forms of government where they create so many rules that it is impossible for citizens not to fall afoul of them. Mm. And that way, anytime the government wants to arrest somebody, they have a pretense because they can literally just imprison anyone because everyone is a criminal. And I think the caller makes a very good point here. And that's that when we're thinking about ethics and how we want society to be be structured, it can't simply be a system of things that you're not allowed to do. There has to be values that open us up to, to the possibilities that we are allowed and that we are at liberty to explore, the ways that we can innovate and try different things. Uh, a, a culture that has too many rules can indeed be stifling. Uh, to go back to taxes, for example, the tax code is notoriously complicated, such so that it takes a full scale of professionals to understand it. And even then, no single individual is capable of actually understanding it. And as we go forward in time, as, as things like technology advance, laws have to get more and more complicated in order to keep up with them. So that does create these two competing pressures. On the one hand, we want to respect the freedom of people to, to try new things and to try different things and to, to innovate in, in, in business, in life, 
Uh, but at the same time, we want to make sure that it's not a free for all, not a wild west where anyone can do anything as long as they can get away with it. Uh, so it, it, I think that is an important counterpoint uh, to, the, to the general idea of making sure that we have a culture that holds itself to higher standards. Mm. But higher standards can't simply mean having more rules. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David, I really appreciate the call and that really insightful uh, observation. Uh, let's go next to Robert in Detroit. Robert. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Everything uh, seems to be uh, going along with what I was going to say about how we be, we're seeming to become a banana republic. Hmm. Yeah, we're, we're focusing on the rules and, and judgment and social media is now our justice system. But I'm, I'm wondering, what about the part of government that, that provides um, resolution for things like frequently asked questions or expanding our access to the courts? People think, oh, you know, I've been wronged, but it's going to cost me all kinds of money to get to court, and it could take years. So people with the money, people with the power, they tend to have, a, a, you know, this attitude of rules for thee but not for me huh. because they can get away with it because they have access to a system that the rest of us don't. And it's been aggravated through, through COVID when you try to contact a representative of your government or you try to um, – um, just call anybody for information to know how to do things the right way. And nobody responds or, or you know, you're kind of mm. left on your own. And so there is that chilling effect where you're trying to do the right thing, but you're going to be judged no matter what. Right. And I think there are too many rules, but not enough uh, justice. There isn't the mm. justice that we used to have. Robert, and, I... and, and a lot of people want less, you know, businesses and, and certain politicians say we need less regulations. Um but on the but other you, hand, you feel like we need more. Yeah, it sounds like you need you would you would like more, Robert. I I, I really appreciate uh, the call and that and that perspective as well. It's a really nice uh, counterpoint to to what David was was talking about uh, and and asking us. Uh, let's go next to Eric in Ann Arbor. Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I really uh, I love your show, so it's great to be able to give a comment. Um, I just want to say a couple things. One, I agree with your point that we shouldn't label people as bad. I don't remember where, but somewhere in Gulag Archipelago, there's this line, the line between good and evil goes between every human heart. Um, <laughs> that said, I do think that uh, this point about a level playing field is important. And to say, well, everybody tries to steal signs – as a, an excuse is like saying, well, everybody tries to get a competitive advantage. Sure they do, but you have to do it within the rules. And what Michigan's being investigated for is not doing that within the rules, not getting a competitive advantage within the rules. And then my last thing is I just think I've been to a lot of college campuses around the country, and I have been struck now living in Ann Arbor at the uh, – the depth of this sort of leaders in the best and we do things the right way kind of narrative, which I can understand, but I think that that's probably why some people are getting their tackles up yeah. when it's Michigan, because yeah. there's this idea that, Oh, well, the sec are cheaters and Ohio state, you know, they must pay their players, but right. we do things the right, well, we way. Do it the right way. Eric, I really appreciate you. you calling in again, echoing that. And, and look, as a, as a U of M alum, uh, I, I always am trying to watch that, right? Uh, you do want to hold yourself to a higher standard. I think that's part of the Michigan culture. 
but it comes across as uh, arrogant and detached sometimes uh, in a in a in a really important way. Okay, I want to g- go back to our guests. We we've got just about a minute and a half left, and and get them to respond to what we heard from uh, the two callers. Uh, Professor Merriam, I'll start with you uh, quickly. I think it's good to reinforce that line from the Gulag Archipelago and Alexander Solzhenitsyn's line that the line between good and evil runs through every human heart Mm -hmm. and who is willing to destroy a piece of their own heart. Um, It is certainly true that, uh, as the person on Twitter said, that everyone breaks the laws of the rules at some point in some context. It's not possible to live a life without transgressing on the rules. So we should have compassion and forgiveness and recognize that we all are fallible and make mistakes, but that should not be an invitation to simply drop our standards and turn a blind eye to cheating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Professor Eagle? Yeah, uh, second that and and add, uh, we've got to balance continuity and change and and open up for innovation, figure out where those lines are between uh, ethics and innovation and, hum- and just humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Professor Lee Eagle and Professor Garrett Merriam, it was wonderful to have both of you and uh, your minds for this conversation. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Our assistant producer is Maddie Boyer. Our music is by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. And podcast editing is by David Lyons. Our program director is Adam Fox. Detroit Today is a production of WDET in Detroit. And you can support the show by leaving a rating or a comment. Thanks for listening.